We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You may have noticed there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. So that can you see your coworkers cracking open at your 9 a.m. meeting? It isn't beer. It's liquid death. So why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Drinking water from a freezing cold can is actually way more refreshing than a bottle. Trust me. Plus, it is way better for the environment and the economy. They're still, they're sparkling, mango chainsaw, buried alive, and my personal favorite, severed lime. And they are now armed with three grams of agave nectar for even more brutal flavor. So I'm going to enjoy this can of lime, and you can go get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what is up everybody welcome into the pack a day podcast the live edition of course it is tuesday 7 p.m central lambo time it is trade deadline day or what the green bay packers consider tuesday 
Uh, there's nothing going on in Packers land for usual from a trade deadline standpoint, no trades to report, but I would not rather be talking to any other people in regards to the lack of moves on trade deadline than the two people joining me today. Uh, first up, we have Zach Jacobson. You can follow him on Twitter, Twitter at it's Zachary J. Uh, how many iterations of Twitter handles is this for you now, Zach? Uh, I think I've been through about 19. 19. I can't wait for number 20, but this is a good one. Number 20. Uh, But again, it's Zachary J. Follow him on Twitter. He's of course a Packer writer over at PackerReport.com. Absolutely killing it. I was just telling him this offline. I don't know how he puts out the content that he puts out, but it is incredible. Uh, So make sure to check it out over at PackerReport.com. And then as well, the one and only Ken Ingalls. You can follow him on Twitter at Ken Ingalls, Packers salary cap expert and numbers guru. Uh, We have a ton to discuss, but Ken, Zach, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. No, man, I I appreciate you having us. Yeah. Mm We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, Zach, you, when you joined uh, offline, you said it was, uh, you know, facetiously said it was a very busy day. It was a very busy day, uh, just not necessarily for the Packers, or at least not a results-oriented day, sort of per usual at the trade deadline at 12.65. I know everybody's favorite uh, video this on this day every year is the Mike McCarthy uh, being asked <laughs> whether or not it's the, the trade deadline. And he's like, was that today? That's what it's like. Um, it it seems we always get our hopes up every single year of something that's going to happen on the trade deadline and then nothing ever does. It felt like something would happen uh, today. Maybe in my opinion, something more minor, maybe a Nelson Aguilar, uh, maybe, you know, who knows something to that ilk. I didn't think they were ever going to do something too crazy, but Ken, I will start with you. What just general overarching thoughts on the trade deadline and lack of a deal for the Packers. Right. Well, I was getting a ton of questions leading up to the deadline. Like, what can the Packers even pull off? What can they do? And a lot of the names that were out there, uh, like the DJ Moores, you know, Chase Claypool's like, they had no problem fitting them under the salary cap. Like, that wasn't the issue. Like, because all the guys that are out there right now have already been like, they're either on their cheap rookie deals or they've already been restructured. So they're cheap to acquire. Uh, the team would be stuck with all that like dead cap. So the Packers could do it this year. My concern or my kind of like, you know, hesitation with, you know, the Packers being overly aggressive was their situation for next year. Right. And like some of these guys coming in with 18, $20 million guaranteed for next year, that's just, it's going to add a little bit of a problem, you know, for what the Packers are trying to, you know, be able to accomplish next year. But, you know, I thought that, you know, maybe, you know, that the rumor that was out there that maybe they're looking to get a guy, um, like a rookie contract with one or two years remaining after this year. I thought that was in the best interest of the Packers and maybe that that's a move that they could, they could pull off. You know, Claypool is obviously the the hot name there, especially up to the deadline and past the deadline with the news coming out, kind of the circumstances around that one. So that's kind of where, you know, I was, if I, if the Packers were going to make a move, that's where I thought that, you know, that's where we'd see that breaking come through. Zach, what were your takeaways from today? My takeaways, I mean, it's really not a surprise because, I mean, we go through the same song and dance every right. single year. So it's like you kind of – How could we have possibly seen it coming? How could we have possibly seen it coming, Zach? It, it just blindsided us. <laughs> every single year, it's, it's the same exact thing. Like, oh, could this be the year they finally do it? This year seemed more plausible just because, like, okay, they brought back Aaron Rodgers in that expensive deal. And they are clearly trying to maximize what little bit of this window they have left. Kept him in town. They kept the majority of their roster together. And 
they're trying to go for one more crack at it. In the twilight of his career, he turns 39 in December. It might be his last year with the Packers. We don't know. And you think maybe this could be the, the time. And their receiver position is battered by injuries. Multiple guys are, were either on IR or are currently on IR. Christian Watson now has a concussion. So you think that room is decimated by injuries. This could be finally, at long last, the time they make a move for a receiver. And it just doesn't happen. It doesn't whether it doesn't materialize or they just don't go after certain guys that have been rumored to be connected to them. I mean, there's really not much to take away from it. They 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 sat on their hands, they stood pat, and that could that could be a good thing, that could be a bad thing. We have no idea because they're three and five with what not nine games left. You know, we have no idea how the rest of the season is gonna go. If this is a decision for them to be so inactive at the trade deadline, if that comes back to bite them in the ass, then it comes back to bite them in the ass. But you know, it's really not surprising to kind of see them just stay stagnant and not do anything. It's it's what they've done every year. It is what they've done. I'm not surprised either. They're just in such a little bit of a no man's land right now where you're three and five. And on the one hand, it's really tough to look at the roster and the team right now and say like, yep, just one guy short. If they could just get that one more guy, like that's it. They're going to take off from there. It could certainly help. And I don't think anyone would be like, if all of a sudden DJ Moore or a Chase Claypool were added to the roster, they would have been like, no, that sucks. That's the worst thing ever. I think everyone would have had some level mm-hmm. of excitement to see if maybe that opens up some things on offense. But I just really struggle to be like, all right, they're, they're one player away or maybe even two players away, um, which makes it hard to take more resources from the future and put it into this one season. Um, I also think sometimes the worst thing you can do in these sort of situations is they clearly thought this past offseason – that with Aaron Rodgers coming back, that they could compete and keep the window open and go for another championship this season. And I'm I'm not saying it's impossible, but probably very improbable right now that that's going to happen. And if that's the case, one of the worst things you can do is double down on it and be like, all right, we've already done this and now we're just going to borrow more from the future and more from the future to try to keep that little sliver of hope open. And well, you know, in the same time, sort of, screwing yourself over in future years as well. Had they have done it, I sort of would have understood it because they have put so much already into this season. And because, you know, that we're, there's very little left of Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the last year. Maybe there's more. We'll have to wait and see. But I would have understood it. Um, I would have understood if they wanted to go in the opposite direction and said, hey, we bought heavy into this season. And now we realize Maybe that wasn't the best idea. We have to try to recoup some assets to maybe try to open up a window in the future. I could have understood that. But I feel like at the end of the day, sort of doing what they did saying, you know what? We put a lot into this season. We're going to see it through to completion. There's probably not a sell-off move that makes a ton of sense right now anyway. And there's probably not a buy-in move that makes a ton of sense. Let's just see if we can get this righted internally at 1265. Maybe a a couple internal moves. Maybe they find this year's version of Razul Douglas somehow. Uh, Maybe Samori Toure ends up being a revelation. Who knows? But I think that's probably the smart move in this situation. And I don't think there was a perfect answer. I don't think a trade for a Claypool or a trade away of somebody or anything is just all of a sudden going to fix everything at 1265. That's the thing that I've been like repeating to people. I don't think they're a DJ Moore away or a Chase Claypool away or a freaking Jerry Judy away, though that would have been pretty awesome. I don't think like they're that close. Like, oh, one more piece and we're going to finally put it together. That's not going to fix the miscues on offense that are setting them behind the sticks. That's not going to help patched the offensive line together it's been really been struggling and they haven't really had like a consistent lineup 
with their, you know, with their preferred combination on a weekly basis. And it's not going to suddenly help Aaron Rodgers, you know, get back to running that the up-tempo offense that he wants to run so badly, you know, just not with this kind of offense. And it, I just don't think they were, they were just one guy away. And, you know, off your point too, I can understand it from their perspective. Like, okay, we spent three draft picks on receivers. First time they've done that since 2018. They've invested into the position already. They signed Sammy Watkins in April. That's their veteran addition. They kept Randall Cobb in the fold. They're putting all their chips on the table, banking on Romeo Dobbs, banking on Christian Watson once he's healthy to be the guy that they expect him to be. Why they drafted him at 34th overall. And Samore Toure, like you said, maybe he's a revelation. He's a pleasant surprise. They're banking on those guys. Those were their additions at wide receiver. And that's why I can understand it from their perspective. It's easy to to be enamored with the, you know, the shiny new toy. Like, hey, let's go get let's go get this this top wide out, this big name guy that everyone knows. It's easy to say that, but it's also not Madden in the sense where you can take a guy, plug him into the offense, and he hits the ground running right, right away. He knows the offense, knows his assignments, knows his responsibilities. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, they're invested in the guys that they have right now. They're banking on internal development. Yeah, I agree. I just, I, from an outside perspective, I, I struggle to understand the Packers kind of overall plan for this year at wide receiver, right? Like it's, it's known that wide receiver is one of those positions that typically takes a few years to kind of catch on. And especially when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who holds his uh, receiving core to an exceptionally high standard, it's going to take extra time. So you know, after Adams uh, was franchised and traded and uh, MVS was out the door, EQ was gone. Like we have three rookies. You got, uh, you got Sammy Watkins, who's hurt Randall Cobb, who's typically been hurt. And he came back like on a slash deal. They cut his pay by like 50% and Alan Lazard and Amari Rogers, who, you know, had a disappointing rookie season. Like that was their plan. And it, if there was a position that seemed like one player away that maybe that there, there could be something that they could do wide receiver kind of was kind of that low hanging fruit, obvious choice, but to what you guys are saying, I don't think this team was one position away, one, one trade away from all of a sudden, okay, everything's going to be great. All these problems are just going to disappear and the offense is going to get rolling or the defense is going to, you know, figure it out as well. You know, some of the mistakes that they've been making. So you know, while it's disappointing that, you know, we didn't get to see something, you know, I would have wanted to see someone who would maybe be here for another, you know, two, three years at least, and not just kind of a, a rental for the back half of the season. And that's kind of exciting to see what type of moves they can pull off. But, you know, here we are. And, you know, the plan is going to have to come from the inside. Uh, the guys who are here are going to have to step up. I think we saw some bright spots in this last game where we saw some of those rookies stepping up. So let's see what they can do. I think they tried to, they tried to fix it with quantity instead of quality. Right. And then it's not to say that some of these guys can't eventually be quality, but it almost felt like, all right. They felt probably like Lazard could be maybe the, a legitimate number two for them that Cobb could you know, potentially be a legitimate number three for them. And their hope was that the, uh, Sammy Watkins has a Devondre Campbell esque breakout in this offense 
which I don't think was ever reasonable, but maybe they get lucky there. And then they draft a guy in the you know, early second round. They trade two second round picks up, basically, uh, basically end of first round, early second round player in Christian Watson, a, a player they probably had a first round grade on. Then they draft another one in the fourth, they draft another one in the seventh. Uh, they have Amari Rogers going into his second year. Maybe he takes a second year jump. It just felt like they put quality or quantity too much at the forefront rather than maybe taking one of those first round picks and a couple of those second round picks and moving up to try to get a Chris Alave or Wilson from the jets or one that, that ended up with the jets, et cetera, Garrett Wilson, like one of those guys probably would have helped quite a bit. And maybe Christian Watson's that guy, we just haven't even seen enough of them to make some sort of, uh, you know, overarching, you know, determination on what he is as a player. He got the ball in his hands in one play this last game and he looks, you know, explosive with the ball in his hands. Um, but of course, unfortunately goes down with the injury again. So it's really tough. The one thing that gives me pause, uh, or at least that gave me pause going into the day that made me think maybe they would do something is really the the lack of um, good teams in the NFC, just putting it that way. Green Bay has always been, especially under Ted Thompson, and I think Brian Gutekunst has a little bit of that blood in his uh, veins as well. Uh, they've always been a team that, hey, let's get in the playoffs and then we'll see what happens because you never know what's going to happen. Even if you're the seventh seed, you just don't know. You might end up getting hot at the right time and going and winning it. And the NFC, that the six, seven spots still feel very much up for grabs. And I know they're a couple games below 500 and I know they've got some tough games coming up, but it would have felt to me like maybe they go and do something just to give this team an opportunity to maybe grab that six or seven seed and get hot at the right time. Let me ask you guys this. What message do you think it sends to the team that Green Bay didn't do anything, if anything? Maybe there is no message, but Brian Gutekunst did not make a trade. Does that send a message to the team? Zach, I'll start with you. Hello, friends. By now you've heard me talk about the new brand of water that looks like tall boys of beer, Liquid Death. This crisp, refreshing mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors is by far and away the best brand of water on the market. One of my favorite aspects of Liquid Death is that most water companies use plastic bottles, which is beyond terrible for the environment. Most of the plastic you throw into a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. But aluminum is infinitely recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities, hence why Liquid Death uses aluminum cans. Most importantly, the water tastes great. I can't get enough of the lime sparkling water and my family has been drinking them nonstop. It's always fun seeing our sons get crazy looks as they are downing tall boys out in public as well. If you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, what are you waiting for? You can get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you using their store locator at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If I was to give you the typical Twitter response to that question, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I think that gives the team the message that that's it. We're packing it in. It's an admission of you guys aren't shit. This team isn't good enough. We're not going to get very far. Season's over. Now, if I was going to give you the realistic answer, I mean, the thing is, like, you can admit, like, they need help with the position. Like I said, multiple guys are injured. They're, you know, running low on bodies. They wanted Chase Claypool, according to Tom Silverstein, at least. They did offer that, you know, a second to compete with the Bears. So that right there is an admission, like, we need we need help. We need aid at a very, you know, shorthanded position right now. But I think also just that they're coming away from the trade deadline with, with nothing with the same guys they went into it with. That tells me right there, like, hey, maybe they believe in these guys. Maybe they think Romeo Dobbs is on his way to stardom. And we've definitely seen some plays from him as a rookie where it looks that way. There's also been times where it doesn't. But – they're putting faith in these guys and they're not going to mess with the cohesion that they're trying to form with Aaron Rodgers. Because, you know, as, as Ken even mentioned, like it takes, it takes a couple of years for these guys to really get established and to get acclimated with the offense. And especially, it's especially true when you're playing with Aaron Rodgers because he expects you to have the intricacies down to the very last smallest detail. You need to be perfect. So, they're not going to mess with that. You know, like this whole thing, it's, it's, it's development. This is the process of development. And we knew going into the season, there were going to be highs. There were going to be lows. There were going to be growing pains. None of what we've seen from the rookies so far should be any kind of surprise. There's flashes of brilliance. There's flashes of, of you know, things that kind of leave you dejected. Like, okay, they, they drafted this freaking guy. But, you know, it's, it's a long way to go. And this whole developmental process, it's, exactly that a process and you know these these front offices have a lot more patience than we do i will say that so ken well i can tell you i know the message that's going to probably be delivered in the locker room and delivered at the podium tomorrow is going to be you know we believe in the guys that we have you know we're here we've been putting in the work since otas and training camp and mini camps and we're going to turn this around. And I think that's going to obviously be like the vocal message that is, you know, communicated, you know, from the coaching staff down to the team. I think what might, you know, throw a little bit of a wrench into that is, you know, so, you know, you know, Rogers today on, uh, on McAfee, you know, was talking about, Hey, I hope we got some news we can drop today. You know, while I'm on here, like d- during that final hour, like, you know, basically, you know, putting it out there in not so subtle way, he's hoping that a move gets made and, you know, kind of the way he answered some of those questions, you know, after, uh, after the game, like, are there going to be any moves? Are we one player away? He's like, that's for someone else to answer, right? So there's kind of that expectation that's been made perhaps floating around the locker room that maybe they, the, 
the, the team is looking for some help, some reinforcements. So I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of that, you know, disappointment perhaps floating around, um, you know, and, you know, maybe questioning the front office. I hope that's not a thing, but, you know, you, I hate to think that that could be, you know, the narrative that goes with this, but yeah, to your point, like I, I think it's a really good point, Zach, that you mentioned that like everything that we've seen with these rookies is to be expected. They're rookies, right. You know, and, you know, there was injuries and, you know, uh, Rogers wasn't there for OTA. So, that, you know, some of these things that like take time to develop and just, just the nature of being a rookie, being a f- professional football player for the first time and understanding the schedule, what it means to prepare and everything. Like there are going to be ups and downs. I don't think it was a realistic expectation to come in that, oh, they drafted a wide receiver in the first or second round, which everyone wanted them to do in the draft. And they're just going to be great. He's going to be plug and play. And, you know, hopefully he can be 70% of Devontae Adams, right? That, that just, to me, that wasn't a reasonable expectation. And so I think we've seen enough of these shining, you know, moments, these little, these little flashes of excellence that you can see the potential of all three of the rookies. And, you know, also with Amari as well, you know, obviously he's had his ups and downs on special teams, but, you know, there's times when he's been forced into the offense as of late when, you know, due to these injuries, due to the other guys not being available, where you kind of see the, the light maybe coming on for a play and then maybe it comes off the next play. But, you know, there's potential there and it's encouraging for the future. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's really tough to suss out and, and I'm not even sure where I fall uh, on everything of what they could have, should have done. I do want to talk about the the Chase Claypool trade because uh, as, as you guys mentioned earlier, per multiple reports, well, first of all, he gets traded to the Chicago Bears for a second round pick, their second round pick. Um, of course, they had both Baltimore's in their own. There were conflicting reports, but it ends up he was traded for the Bears second round pick. Later, it gets reported, I believe by Tom Silverstein, uh, that the Packers did in fact offer a second round pick as well for Chase Claypool and the Bears had, I guess, the better of the second round picks, or at least that's the thought process, is that the Bears will finish worse than the Packers would, um, giving the giving the Steelers a better draft pick next year. Um, that's happened before with the Khalil Mack uh, mm-hmm. trade as well. So this is not the first time this has happened. But let me just ask you. If we were sitting here today talking about the Packers trading away their next year's second round draft pick for Chase Claypool, would you have been pro or against that? Zach, I'll, I'll start with you. I feel like a second is a little too steep, you know, for, for Chase Claypool. I mean, 10 of his 12 touchdowns came during his rookie season. He's kind of just been a guy the last two years, you know, with the, you know, ruling out his rookie season, of course. So, it, and I mean, the Steelers can afford to, to part ways with a guy like that. They drafted Deontay Johnson in the third in 2019. They took George Pickens last year. I mean, I mean, or last spring. So, you know, they can afford to part ways with a guy like they have that luxury. I'm just, if they had, if the Packers did that deal, if they went with a second, then it, it's great. There's your shiny new toy. That's this six, four, 238 pound guy that can hit top speed and end up in, and be a deep threat. But I, I really don't know, man. I mean, this team, a second round pick, like I said, it's just way too steep. Now, if they did it for a third, I mean, hell, I, w- I would give away a third for free. I would trade a third round pick for a for a bag of freaking chips. Cool, cool Ranch Doritos, specifically. <laughs> but, you know, it would be easy to fall in love with that, you know, just because, okay, it's a new weapon for Aaron Rodgers. And you get a guy like that, that opens up everything else for, for everybody else in the offense. It's like, people view this as like a one-on-one type of thing. Like, 
you get a guy like that that can just completely take attention away from from certain guys, certain other guys, and that just opens everything underneath. So, and that I know this is a totally separate point, but I feel like that's one of the biggest components that's been missing in the offense this year, and why it's been such a struggle. It feels like sometimes to move the ball, just because they don't have that vertical threat. So Chase Claypool could have been that, but for a second, I mean, I'm not even just saying this because it's the Bears. I swear on everything, that's an overpay. That's an overpay overpay for Chase Claypool. I mean, Amari Cooper got traded for a fifth. So, you know, I I would be very neutral about it. I'll I'll put it that way. Ken? Right. A second does seem rich. Absolutely. You know, a third, like you said, Zach, like, sure, do it, right? You know, those are those don't have too much value in the Green Bay uh draft room these days, unfortunately. Not a lot of past success. Um you know, I would have given a, a third all of their future thirds and <laughs> all of their past thirds. They can have Sean Ryan and Josiah DeGuara, Mari Rogers, just all, all of the thirds. You can you can take all of them. Sign yeah. sign sign Kyler Fackrell. Get him to a new deal. Then trade, <laughs> trade, trade him, him back. Yeah. <laughs> what was interesting though with that trade is that it was reported out of Houston with some of their local reporters that like 8 a.m. this morning, you know, start of business, like people in the building assumed that Packers, like they were the leading candidates this morning. Like the deal was in place for a second. Like they had been obviously talking probably, you know, over the weekend, if not sooner, you know, and the bears, you know, swooped in and, you know, hats off to, um, you know, (laughs) hats off to Pittsburgh for, you know, shopping that around a little bit and trying to get the best deal and trying to, you know, improve their, their stock. But, you know, I, I tend to think of, you know, free agency and trades, like, there typically aren't deals, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, if, if you're going to be trading, you know, it's either you're trading way too much or you're, you feel like you're just like, oh, I'll give you a conditional seventh, right? There never really seems to be a lot of like middle ground, like, yeah, that's, that seems like a pretty even deal lately. And when we're coming to like wide receivers right now, which the market has exploded, we saw in free agency, all these deals that were going north of $20 million, like, wide receiver market has just exploded with the valuation with what teams are willing to pay in cash and what they're willing to give up. And so, you know, would I have scoffed at it a little bit and been like, wow, you know, you know, come draft day in April, like, Oh, I wish we maybe had another second round pick probably. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a guy that's going to be here for, you know, the you know second half of this season, you know, into his, you know, last year of a rookie contract next year. And then who knows, right. It could end up being a one and a half. Typically when you're using a second round pick, you want your guys contributing for more than like a year and a half. So that's, that'd be a tough sell, but I get it, I guess. I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming both of you guys would not have tried to up the bears and given more than the second round oh. pick. For Chris All right. I'm, yeah, I'm on God, the, no. yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> I think it's, I think it, if you look at all the reports, including the one Zach was mentioning, there was also a report that the bears um, made an offer earlier and were rejected and they thought they were out of it. It seems very Um, simple of what happened. It seems to me that the Packers offered their second round pick and were the leaders in the clubhouse. And the bears were probably came in and offered the Ravens second round pick saying, we'll offer the Ravens second round pick for Chase Claypool. And they said, no, we have a better deal, assuming that the Ravens will probably finish better in the standings than the Packers will. So they would rather have the Packers second round pick. And then the Bears swooped in and said, we'll give you our second round pick, at which point 
the Steelers were like, yeah, that sounds nice. And then, and then they probably went back to green Bay and said, the bears just offered their second round pick. We think that's going to be worse than yours, especially the bears with, you know, without chase Claypool versus the Packers with chase Claypool. Like that's probably not even close at that point. So they probably go back to green Bay and say, you have to up it. You have to do better than just a second. And green Bay was probably like, no, we're, we're good. I, I think that seems like a very logical um, conclusion to that. And, and who would have thought if you would have told me going into the day, that there were two players traded to NFC North teams. Technically one of them was also from an NFC North team, but a top tier tight end and a top tier wide receiver went into the two NFC North teams that they weren't previously on. And Green Bay did not end up with one of them. I would have been very shocked, but of course you've got the Claypool trade to the bears who are not, you know, set to compete right now. And then TJ Hawkinson from the lions to uh, the Vikings. Um, Let me follow up with this. Was there any trade that happened or was even rumored or close to happening that you wish Brian Gutekunst and the Packers either would have pursued one up or gone after? Because looking at all the trades, I thought there were a couple of the running back trades like James Robinson for like a, what a six that can turn into a fifth. Like that, that's a good deal. That's a, that's a buyer's deal. They don't need a running back. So it doesn't really do them any good. There were a couple of deals like that, that I thought were good for the buying team. But I look at this, I, I, I thought this was a seller's market. I thought the buying teams overpaid more often than not. And there wasn't anything outside of, like I said, a couple of running back deals that Green Bay didn't need anyway, that I would have been like, yeah, that, that deal kind of makes sense. Was there anything for you guys at all? Zach, I'll start with you. If I say, okay, I'm going to say this and it's going to drive Ken crazy. Oh, I like this. (laughs) Uh, Just because he's set to make so much freaking money next year. I really, until I saw the report that the Packers were out on Brandon Cooks, I really wanted to see that happen. Chase Claypool felt like the most likely, like not even like going into today, but like the last like few days. Like it seemed like he would be the kind of guy that the Packers would go after. He's just a big body receiver. He's still on his rookie deal, you know, so it it seemed likely. But Brandon Cooks was like the one guy I was like pounding the table for. Like I, I it felt close to happening. I don't know how they would have made that 18 million work next year. I'm, I'm sure Ken has been asked that a million times, how to how to do the, the gymnastics with the cap. But yeah, that's like the one that I just would have been like over the moon about. Just because he, he's he's a veteran. He's one of the most underrated receivers in football. And I remember there used to be this weird injury-prone label attached to him. But, I mean, he's played in almost every single game of every season for like the last six years, I think. I don't remember the exact number. But, I mean, he's been a consistent threat. And he's able to mesh with any quarterback wherever he goes. It just would have been a perfect addition to the offense. And I would have loved to see that happen. Ken, what about you? Or, or feel free to throw Zach under the bus if you disagree. No, see, you assume. No, go for it. Go well, for you it. assume that was actually the, kind of the name that was crossing my mind as well, like the one that I could see potentially happening. The one thing that kind of gives me pause, or a few things that give me pause on that is the age, right? I think he's turning 29, and again, the $18 million plus guaranteed. At You know, my first thought when I think of that is like, well, you know, could we really, you know, that money should probably be going to Devontae Adams. Obviously, that's a whole deal, and we've talked about that plenty in the past. But, like, if you're going to be trading, you know, for a player and giving up premium picks for a guy who's 29 years old who's making that type of money, like, we kind of – we just had that guy, right? Um, so that's kind of the first thought. In terms of the money, though, like, yeah, he's do $18 million, but because it's – when you get him in a trade, a lot of that money sits with the original team. They can – you know, I did it while you were talking. Like, they could turn that – number down to like $3.4 million next year if they add void years and push, push, push it all out and you know make it 
you know, two or three years from now problem. But the problem is that they've done that with almost every single player on this team already. And they're going to have to do that again with almost every single veteran player on this team next year, just to feel the competitive team. So eventually it becomes too much and it becomes, you know, you know, you're going to have future pain. It's how much are you willing to add to it? And that kind of goes back to what Andy was saying at the beginning, like, okay, we have this window. We gave Aaron Rodgers this money. Like, what do we do? Do we just, you know, are we, was that the big move giving Rogers the big money and we just you know, try to bring as many pieces as we could around and allow the outside free agents for, you know, minimum guys or close to minimum type of guys this year, or are they going to, you know, slam their, their foot on the gas and go for it again this year. And each of those has its ups and downs, right? Because then, okay. Are we fully taking advantage of this window that we're, that we've, you know, propped open a little bit with, you know, one more year of at least with Rodgers, or are we just going to say, eh, let's just see how it goes and, you know, not, you know, not fully to put too much in the future. So, but that was the one name. I'm like, okay, if they're going to do a receiver and it seemed like it really seemed like uh, Cooks thought he was on the move. Like it, it, like everything you saw on social media over the past couple of weeks, like he thought he was moving. And then when he didn't, he put some, you know, stuff out there again, like he did not seem pleased. Um, I think I saw a report out there, someone conjecturing, saying like, you know, maybe he signed the the deal and then it was told by the organization that if the team is terrible, that they would try and find him a, a better home with a contender. And, you know, the deal didn't, you know, materialize and he's upset by that. So um, I thought that potentially that would be kind of the consolation prize and that they would try and, you know, figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. Were you going to say something there, Zach, earlier? Uh, no, I was, I, well, I was going to throw in, like, I was more surprised over anything that they, like, they weren't sellers, like they weren't trying to offload some of these guys. And I'm sure, I'm sure nobody wanted to take certain contracts. Like I get it, but I'm surprised like Darnell Savage is still on the team. Like they're rolling with the same roster that they went into the deadline with. And it's the same roster that got them to three and five. So it's, it was a little perplexing to see that they didn't, you know, try to offload any of these guys. That was like, that surprised me more than them not getting a receiver. I thought there was the potential for the Packers to have to set to, to make some message out of this day. Whether that message is, you know what, we we know you're three and five, but we still believe in you, and we're going to add a couple reinforcements to your roster, and we're going to prove to you that we still believe in this team. Which I think would have maybe given a little bit of a bolt of adrenaline to a team that is in desperate need of a bolt of adrenaline right now. I also would have wouldn't have shocked me if Green Bay, you know, said, you know what, a couple of these guys that are underachieving. Um, and I know that you never, as a GM, you never ever want to sell low, right? So that's like the worst thing you can do is when a player's playing their worst, and certainly like Savage basically coming off one of his worst games as a pro, he's like, well, now we're just gonna trade him and get pennies on the dollar. And as I know Ken will probably add in, not sure that there's a ton of teams that are clamoring for a guy who's due 15 million in guaranteed money or whatever it is in guaranteed money next year after they picked up um his fifth year option. So I don't know that there's a ton of teams clamoring for that. Uh, but I also wouldn't have been shocked if they tried to send some message of like, hey, you know what? If you're not holding up your, at your end of the bargain, you're going to be out of here and we're going to make some moves and not not necessarily to bring in um, more guys, but to jettison guys that maybe like Rogers is saying, aren't holding up their ends of the bargain and aren't, you know, playing their assignments the way that they're supposed to be played. I almost 
to some extent, while it's what I expected the day to be where there wasn't a move, I'm still almost a little bit surprised that there wasn't one of those two where they did something to just shake things up. Because like I said, either to give the team a bolt of adrenaline or to say, hey, if you don't hold up your end of things, you're out of here. Like it just felt like one of those messages needed to be sent. And maybe the worst thing they could have done is just status quo and not do anything. But I don't know if you guys have a, a thought on that at all. Yeah, I 10,000% agree with you, Andy. Like to your point, like status quo is probably the worst thing for this team because the status quo isn't working. And we're seeing a lot of, you know, you're hearing some, you know, some chirps and some frustration, right? There's reports that the defensive players are starting to get a little upset with the direction that things are going on defense. Obviously, offense have had their concerns and, um, you know, LaFleur and Rogers have been pretty vocal about, you know, guys you know, needing to, to improve and step up. And so there's just not a lot of, not a lot of rah, rah, you know, in, in the locker room. And to your point, like that boost of adrenaline one way or another, Andy, like to your point, like, okay, we're getting some guys in, we're going for it. Right. Or, you know, it's, if, if they're offloading guys like Savage who aren't performing, be like, you know what, we're, we want guys in this, in this locker room that are going to be here and kind of reinforcing that message, right. That, that Rogers was talking about, like you either need to perform or you're going to get your, your playing, you know, time cut and kind of standing behind that. Cause we saw the floor stand behind that messaging at the podium. And so status quo just seems like, uh, just very vanilla. Very, I don't know. Just, I, I am, I'm surprised that they weren't, that they didn't do something. And I'm not, I'm usually not a guy who's like, do something, anything, you know, do a trade because they need to trade. And, you know, I want to see a trade and, Gutekunst never does anything like that's clearly not me and, and what I do um, in my messaging. But like, it just felt like if there was a year to do it, that would be the year. And that's why I'd like, when I go back to the plan, I really don't know what, what the plan is this year. And it kind of just seems like they're, they, they put together the best pieces and are like, let's just see what we got. I, I do wonder if a part of the plan originally was, to, to get all those different pieces at wide receiver and bring in some new players. You're obviously making a transition going from Devante, which they kind of had a little bit of say on, but not a ton. Cause he just wanted out. Yeah. Um, it it, it kind of almost felt to me of like, Hey, we're going to start here and then come trade deadline time, assuming we're trending in the right direction. Maybe we will go add, you would be aggressive in adding a piece. Maybe they would have upped the bears for a chase Claypool or something like that. If they felt they would have been a piece away and almost by not doing anything, maybe they're just like, you know what, this isn't what we expected. And we're going to have to take the off season to reevaluate things, see if Aaron comes back and really make a, a, a long-term decision on where we want to go as a franchise, because clearly this iteration of the Green Bay Packers isn't working as we expected it. Um, yeah, go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, they, they could still send that message, whether a good one or a bad one, they could still send it starting this week in Detroit if they go into that game and Darnell Savage isn't in that starting lineup, then that's, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them because I mean, they brought Eric Stokes out of the game in Buffalo and yeah, Matt LaFleur right. said they were, they were just mixing it up, which I don't believe for a freaking second. No, not at all. Yeah. He's had a very, very bad year. So yeah, it seems like that was more like a message. very subtle punishment. Yeah. A message. So if they go into this game in Detroit and Darnell Savage isn't in the lineup and Marie Ford's back there at free safety instead, then there's your message right there. So they, they still have the chance to do that and to really kind of like, you know, help realign the, the trajectory of this team. Want to take a couple of super chats really quick. So a uh, huge thank you to these captain Quint, uh, super kind of you relating to the defense. What or who is causing a lack of complimentary football on that side of the ball? We have the talent at all levels, but where, or who are the links being exploited on defense? 
Um, I'll, I'll answer that really quick. First of all, I think the complimentary football is not a defensive related thing. It's more of this entire team has to sort of do their job and handle their business and help the other side out when the, the defense can't get off the field um, and is, is struggling to stop the opposing team. The offense getting the ball back and going three and out is extremely uncomplimentary football when the defense actually, or when the special teams actually steps up and blocks a punt and puts the offense in great field position and the offense goes backwards and doesn't get any points uh, points out of it. That's extremely uncomplimentary football. Um, you know, same thing when, you know, the offense is struggling to score and they can't, you know, kind of get out of their own way. The def or like a great example of this is, Packers down 14, nothing last game. And then they go down and they finally score a really nice touchdown drive. They get the touchdown to Romeo Dobbs, 14 to seven, finally gain some semblance of a, a foothold in the game. And then the defense immediately allows a long drive for a touchdown, 21, seven bills. And they're, they're right back out of it. Right. So those are the sort of uncomplimentary football things that we've seen out of this team, where when the defense needs the offense, the offense can't help some help them out. When the offense needs the defense, the defense can't help them out. And the special teams is the special teams again. Um, so it's just that that's the issue. And then as far as just a defensive side of things, it's just, again, as lame and cliche as it is, it's people doing their 111th. Listen, Rashawn Gary's been really good, but there's times that he's completely getting out of his uh, assignment and not setting the edge uh, as an edge rusher, as a um, edge setter, as a run defender. Like those are the things that set your other teammates up for failure. It's you know, when Darnell Savage is you know supposed to come up and make the tackle in the box so that it's a five-yard gain instead of a 20-yard gain. You've got to make sure you make that tackle. When Eric Stokes is deciding, you know what? I'm sure everyone else has it. I don't need to go get my hands dirty in the run defense. Like the, and you actually need to get up there and set an edge so that there's nowhere for the running back to escape. Like those are the sort of things that defensively just need to get cleaned up and be better. So again, appreciate it. Captain Quince, uh, super kind of you. And then we had one more. Uh, Vex says draft and develop is great, but the results sure aren't good enough on defense for the resources uh, invested. And yes, that will be a major talking point for this team for the foreseeable future. Uh, they, when you invest, what is it? Seven first round picks on defense plus huge money into Adrian Amos and Razul Douglas and Jair Alexander, obviously on his second contract, Devondre Campbell, you know, even to some extent, Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed, et cetera, the list goes on and on. Um, when you put that much money from a free agency standpoint and that much talent from a draft standpoint, something has to give either your evaluations up front for how you valued those players in, uh, you know, resigning them, giving them big money or drafting them with first round draft picks. Either that was wrong or the coaches, the coaching staff and the scheme took all of those insanely talented players and didn't get the most out of them. So this organization is going to have to make a determination as to if, the, if this stays the way that it is. Was it the evaluations up front and they paid the wrong guys and drafted the wrong guys? Or was it the coaching and the scheme that didn't get the most out of them? And that will be something that has to be reconciled probably going into next season. Oh, all right. Uh, Zach uh, and uh, Ken, we probably got to get out of here pretty soon. Um, but any final thoughts, anything that's on your mind from a Packers standpoint, uh, anything else that we wanted to discuss today that we didn't get to? I know it's obviously trade deadline day, so we talk mostly about that. But, Zach, anything on your mind? Well, first of all, I think I think Daryl in the comments wants you to know that the penalties are killing them as well. He does. He does. He does want us to know that. <laughs> I'm just yeah. He said it like five times, so I just want to make sure. <laughs> uh, no, fi final thoughts. I mean, the season's already in a very bleak spot right now, but I think beating – I don't even want to call the Lions a lowly team because one, – one, because I like them, but two, because 
I mean, are they that much? Are they that much worse than the Packers right now? So it's like I can't. Really... We don't. We don't get to throw stones right now. Uh, right. Yeah. Packers. Yeah. No. No. We're we're in a probably the glass, the biggest glass house ever seen right now. Um. So a win against them this week, I feel like would just. I mean, Aaron Rodgers even said it. They just need one to kind of get the momentum going, get things back on the right track. And I, I don't want to keep drawing comparisons to 2016 because it's like overplayed at this point. Like, oh, the Packers fell behind a few games and they ran the table and this and that, just like how they are right now. It's it's overdone. I get it. But right before that run the table streak, they went into Washington and they lost by 18 points. But the thing is, they look they look good while doing it. Like offensively, like that was like the first time all year where they were consistently moving the ball. They were having success. They look good. Now, that wasn't the case in Buffalo Sunday night, not really to that extent at least. But I would say the offense – looked yeah absolutely james <laughs> I, would, I would say <laughs> no, you're fine. i would say the offense probably looked more competent than they have in several weeks like at least during this four game skid they looked good there were there were flashes like aaron Rodgers was more mobile at some points they started running the up tempo up tempo offense a little more and as much as they could at least it's hard to do that when they have so many young players getting them into positions you know before the, the play clock expires but you know they started doing that and Aaron Rodgers moving around more you know he didn't struggle as much with the accuracy and they just looked good now I'm not comparing it to that Washington game but that could have been like maybe the moment where everything kind of they put everything together and they use that momentum to kind of springboard them rattle off a couple wins get back above 500 and then just kind of reevaluate everything from there but um, yeah, they could do that in Detroit this week. Take advantage of the worst team in your division, at least record-wise, and like I said, use it as a springboard. I like the way you're thinking, Ken. Any final thoughts on your end? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll piggyback off that a little bit. Like, just it's been a long time since I felt like the Packers were truly in a must-win type of scenario. Um, you know that I feel like that term is. <laughs> overplayed a lot like sometimes we'll be in like week two or three like this is a must-win game but like looking at where the Packers are now three and five on a four-game streak I just think you know if if they go in against the lowly Lions I know again we're not supposed to be throwing any rocks right now glass houses and all but like this is a game it feels like the Packers just need to take care of business this is you know not necessarily like your right game but just like it needs to get them on the right track again they're three and five nine games to go you know, seven and two is kind of the number you're kind of circling to get them to 10 wins for kind of that playoff berth. You know, nine wins might do it this year. Uh, again, the NFC is pretty terrible. Everyone's sitting around that 500 mark plus or minus one game. But if there was a game that like I can remember in the past, you know, certainly under the, the floor regime, you know, they haven't been in this position. And it feels like this is as close to a must win as, as we've seen in a long time out of Green Bay. So I'm really hoping they can turn things around and we can see, you know, something close to a complete game. We've seen good halves here and there, but, you know, something to kind of point us in the right direction that we can get closer and closer uh, to make, you know, the back half of the season, you know, salvageable. All right. Lightning round, Ken, one quick one for you here. Um, thoughts on the release of Patrick Taylor and Kobe Jones and the imminent, uh, you know, re-adding of Kylan Hill to the roster. Yeah. So um, they have to add Kylan Hill tomorrow. Um, it's the end of the 21 day um, period that he had on the pup list. So they either have to put him to the active roster, which is their, what they're going to do. Otherwise he'd have to be out for the rest of the year or cut him straight up. 
or um, trade is passed. So he's obviously going to be taking that spot. Taylor is probably going to be going back on the practice squad. I was surprised to see Kobe Jones, who just got the elevation, be the one who kind of gets totally axed off the team. Um, but what's strange this whole time, though, is that the past two weeks, the Packers have had an empty active roster spot. They've been at 52 players now going into both the Washington and the Buffalo game. And right now, you know, assuming Kylan Hill comes back tomorrow, they're going to have 52 players again. So that's, uh, that's Odell Beckham's spot. I don't know if you know. That. That's actually <laughs> yeah, Odell. I was told that a few times, uh, <laughs> you know, for the past six years. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But, you know, there, there might be another guy coming off of injured reserve. There might be another guy coming Chris, off uh, NFI. Chris so, Collins, yeah. yeah. So who knows what they got in store? Obviously it's not for a trade. You know, we've talked about that enough, but um, yeah. All right. And then Zach, let's end things on a high note. Uh, thoughts on Jordy Nelson and Josh Sitton going into the Packers hall of fame. Oh man. I'm, you're, I'm the wrong guy to ask, man. Cause for so long, my reputation among on Twitter was the oh Greg Jennings over Jordy Nelson guy. That's but, fair. That's true. But you know, Jordy Nelson. I mean, he, I don't think any receiver, not, not not even Devontae Adams. I don't think anyone has had better chemistry with Aaron Rodgers than Jordy Nelson. And every single time that vintage shot play that they would always hit was mm-hmm. just a thing of beauty. And it felt like in 2014 they were doing it almost every single week. It was just amazing. And Josh Sitton. I mean. One of the best interior guards I've seen from you know while watching the Packers. I mean, I know guys that like you know like like Mike. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Mike Whale. Mike Wall. Wall. Yeah. Wall. Wall. Okay, there you go. <laughs> for for ever since I was a kid, I never knew how to pronounce his name properly. But you know, guys have come through the building and they've just been great. But Josh Sitton was just a staple there inside for so long, and I love the 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 tandem he had with T.J. Lang on the opposite side. I mean, you know, two two very very prominent names of the Packers in the, in the last decade, you know, you, there, there are some names and those guys are up there. Mm-hmm. Totally agreed. Excited for both of them. Last one really quick, last uh, super chat here. Uh, Evernight 2020. Thanks so much. Why did it take eight weeks for us to run the ball? Also, is it just me or is there more terrible football than normal being played around the league right now? The second part is absolutely yes. Um, there's what three good teams, basically bills, chiefs, Eagles, uh, Cowboys, probably at least in the conversation as well. Um, but there's just not a lot of great football, a lot of mediocrity, um, defense is far ahead of the offenses right now. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of a struggle and it's been a bit of a, a bad brand of football right now, I think across the league. So I think that's easy to say why that is. I think there's a couple different theories, certainly like one less preseason game. I think the lack of practice time, all of those things is certainly, um, in the conversation there, but, uh, right now defenses are just ahead of the offenses and offensive offenses have got some things to figure out as far as your first part of the question. I don't know. Um, I'm hoping they stick with it now though. I'm hoping they realize it. I actually am going to have a video coming out this week that I think is going to address that very thing. So kind of keep an eye out for that, but um, yeah, appreciate the super chat every night. And uh, we'll definitely be discussing that more as this week and probably this season goes along. Zach, where can we find you on Twitter and where can we follow your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at it's Zachary J. Uh, and you could also find the rest of my work at packerreport.com. Thanks so much for being here, Zach. Appreciate you. And Ken, where can we find your work? You can just find me on Twitter at Ken Ingles. 
Make sure to go and follow both of those gentlemen. Ken, Zach, I cannot thank you enough for being here. This is obviously a big day with it being the trade deadline. Maybe not the way that people <laughs> wanted it to go, but certainly still a lot of things to discuss and go over. So appreciate you so much for being with me. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That is going to do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for being here. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.